thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the sensational co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys. He is the best naturopath in the world. I'm married to a chiropractor, so he's the second best chiro in the world, Dr. Damien Christoph. How are you, Damo? You're a classic MP. Great to be here with you again on hey, Skype. Dave. I love on it. On Skype. Love we are it. counting down to The Wellness Summit, aren't we, Damo? Oh, not it far is to go. Not far to go. Just a, a couple of weeks, and uh, there is so much happening. And, um, it feels plenty like... To- it feels like there's about ninety five thousand people going to be there. That's what it feels like. It feels <laughs> like we could feel, feel like the we could feel the MCG. It feels there's like a lot this. of buzz. We might have a yeah. summit at the MCG in a few years' time, and that such right. is the growth of the wellness couch. Oh, wouldn't it be great? It be would exciting. be sensational. Oh, hey. um, <laughs> so much to talk about. Still getting over our last couple of weeks with uh, Dexter Kruger and Ruth Frith, oh, good. two uh, one hundred and three year olds. Then we kind of we thought we'd strip it back just to you and I, Damo. Yeah. Two fellas in their thirties. Two guys. Um, to We're talk still about hanging on, hanging on to the thirties. <laughs> One, <laughs> see, a few months to go. A few months to go. Still That's it. You are hanging on, aren't you? Yeah. Dear life. Dear life. Um, but you know, we thought it would be great to talk about a topic that a lot of people really do associate with aging. They think that this is something that only really occurs in your fifties, sixties, or seventies. But mm. you know, in truth, it really starts in your twenties, thirties, and forties. And for many people, it happens much earlier. So yes. we're talking about the big topic today, Damo that is arthritis and inflammation, the big A. There's over uh, 3 million Aussies who suffer arthritis in one of its many forms. Um, And Damo, I thought there's not too many more qualified health professionals in the country to speak on this subject than... There there probably is. There probably is a lot more qualified people to speak on. But I've got my own ideas and I've worked with in in this field for a long time. You know, that's 16 years. And uh, and, and so I can comment for sure and definitely offer some advice. But it is interesting. I'd like to officially, Damo, I'd like to officially welcome you to the program as our, as our special guest. <laughs> oh, thanks. So, it's so nice to be here. It's really yeah, nice. It's, it's a, a pleasure. It's a privilege for you, isn't it? It's a hey, privilege. Right. I've got lots of questions, Damo. Lots of okay, questions. You always do. I love oh, it. Plenty. Yeah. But every single person in the Western world has heard of arthritis. But I'm tipping that most people would really be at a loss to explain what it is. Some people would call it rust. Others would say, rust. well, it's where there's no cartilage. Others would say it's inflammation, but not really know what you know what inflammation is. Others would say it's wear and tear mm-hmm. because that's what their doctor told them. Yes. But in clear, simple, layman terms, can you explain for our listeners exactly what arthritis is? It's kind of like rust and inflammation and uh, wear and tear, really, MP. That's... No, I'm okay. joking, I'm joking. <laughs> just joking, mate. Yeah, you, know, oh, thinker, you got the most gullible there. man in the world right there. Say, well, we just well, revealed there. absolutely nothing then. <laughs> no, look, there's a couple of, there's a few things I have with, with arthritis. And really, there's two classifications. One, there is kind of that wear and tear sort of thing, which is many people are familiar with this one. This is called osteoarthritis. That's where there's been poor joint health for a long time. Now, whether that joint health is improper loading of a joint um, or whether it's improper 
um, positioning of the joint which has resulted in degeneration or whether it's been overuse of a particular joint um, which has resulted then in significant decline of the joint health. Um, any of those things will result in this process known as osteoarthritis and the whole osteoarthritis process is painful, it's degenerative, it's non-restorative, it's very difficult to get that back to where it should be and, uh, and, and many people are faced with that on a daily basis. Look, you can improve it and we'll talk about how you can improve it um, but for the the people out there that are thinking with a medical mindset on right now, you've heard about osteoarthritis and you've heard that it's degenerative and that you can't come back from it. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say that's the way that's classified, but I'm going to share some things with you today that might have you feeling and moving and um, and being happier with, with your joints. So that's that one. Then the other one, of course, is the, inf- the chronic inflammatory one. And, or the, and, and, and this is associated more with an immune disease or autoimmune disease. So where the body is having some kind of an autoimmune response or a immune attack against itself is the way in which we used to describe it. And uh, in, in this case, it could be a psoriasis, it could be a, a reactive arthritis, um, or it could be a rheumatoid arthritis. And so these things, uh, and, uh, and Marcus, we know there's hundreds of different arthritises around, um, these things are very, very painful. They're often very, very hot, but they're also systemic. So systemic. That's my Kiwi accent coming out there. So <laughs> systemic. So we've got, we've got the, the degenerative one, which is kind of, it's not systemic. There is an inflammatory process taking place because any part of inflammation becomes um, systemic. But for all intents and purposes, we're talking more about a local reaction with osteoarthritis versus okay. a systemic or a, a total global effect on the inflammation on the body um, with these autoimmune type arthritis and they're associated with a reaction or a hypersensitivity of the immune system to something and uh, we're going to talk about and we're going to reveal some of those things today uh, because it's really important that I think people who are listening to this particular podcast today that they're familiar with uh, maybe some of their own lifestyle drivers that might be driving them into an autoimmune pattern um, or an autoimmune disease and so how do they how do they avoid it what are they got to do what are the things they're looking for we'll talk about that too Okay, so so just correct me if I'm wrong if this is not the right follow-up question, but a lot of people think that arthritis is something that just happens to them mm. without wanting to say that they're a victim. That most people would say, well, you can't stop it. You can't cure it, you can relieve it, but you can't stop it and you can't stop it from happening. But if Dorothy Dick's a question because you and I both know that there's, there's many, of, uh, there's many uh, causes or uh, triggers for arthritis. But for you, what are the number one causes um, for, and let's maybe you'd say there's different causes for different arthritis, but if we're talking about you know, the two most common in osteoarthritis and, and, and rheumatoid, but even things like gout, because a lot of people would, Ooh, would have heard of the term of gout, but they wouldn't That's associate it as an arthritis, right? Yeah. Um, all of these different arthritis, they have causes, everything in the body is cause and effect, but do you want to share what the major causes uh, from your research, your knowledge, your understanding um, of, of the major arthritis that, that we know of? Yeah, okay. So let's talk about osteoarthritis because we see it all the time. And I had a guy in today who has just gone 40 years old and he was showing signs of osteoarthritis in his neck and in his How old did you say it was? Just over 40. Okay, let's bang it right there because most people think that that osteoarthritis is only you've got to be older. Yeah, now you don't. Have a look at the stats. I think we've got here four out of every 10 women, 75 plus, have arthritis. Three out of every 10 women, 65 to 74, have it. Mm. Uh, For men, it's just under half. But most people would say, well, yeah, you'd have to be 60 plus to be affected by arthritis. But it's not the case. You definitely don't. You definitely don't. We see it more than often. Oh, more often than not, I should have said. But the reason why I think we see it more 
um, now is I think people's lifestyles are quite stressful. So there's a lot of stress in people's lifestyles, whether that be from their work, their home life, financial stress, food stress, environmental pollution, all of these sorts of things. It's stress primarily that drives this inflammatory response within the body. And what we're learning uh, more and more about the human body is that regardless of, um, I suppose, your situation where you actually are right now, uh, what you do today and in the future is more likely to um, push you in a particular direction of disease progression based on your genetics. And so we, t- we do keep talking about genetics and, it, and what we've got to link back is that there's genes and that's your blueprint and then there's lifestyle and that's your controllers or they're your factors that actually influence the way which your genes are actually read so everything you do in your life on a daily basis everything you do in your life moving forward affects the way in which your genes are being played out and being rolled out now what we're seeing is that there's not, I'm not saying that necessarily arthritis is a genetic thing, but what I'm saying is that if you've got an environmental trigger that's in your body or you're, you're exposing your body to some kind of environmental trigger, let's say, for example, it's coffee or alcohol or fried food or too much carbohydrate, let's, I'm just throwing these ones out there, and you've got a, a genetic predisposition to send off a whole lot of inflammation then the next thing that's going to happen is whilst the inflammation is running through the body it's going to affect areas that are under load or under stress and what I tend to find Marcus certainly being a chiropractor is that people don't visit a chiropractor early enough in their life they actually visit a chiropractor when something's going wrong yeah well when the arthritis has really been super diagnosed and it's yeah uh, that's it so when the arthritis has actually moved into phases of degeneration that are now irreversible so phases of joint degeneration there's there's four phases or really we'll narrow it down as there's three phases because the first phase is normal it's normal yeah. <laughs> and then we go to the first phase which is a postural change and then we go to the second phase which results in bony degeneration and joint and, and cartilage degeneration and then um, arthritic change which is calcification of the joint and then we go into a further um, more advanced degenerative phase which is phase two degeneration and and phase one and phase two degenerative patterns, sorry, phase two and phase three degenerative patterns are not reversible. You can't actually, you can't go back from there. But people often turn up at that point when they've got the degeneration because that's when they can feel it. It's, but they were getting degeneration back when they had phase one, which was just postural change. Okay, so for those people that are listening, right, who know they've got arthritis or know that maybe they see a chiropractor and they know they're, say, phase two um, or even phase three, yeah. what you're saying is that person. The, the the arthritis may not, uh, or the function may not, um, or the symptom may not improve, but it won't get any worse. But they might actually feel better from making some changes. Because well, yeah, so the, the actual the look of the joint probably won't change much. It's going to stay all you know calcified and ugly and not looking good at all. It's it's you know lost its its function. It can't retor- return. But getting an adjustment or getting that moving or getting your exercise happening, changing your diet, doing all the sorts of things that we're going to talk about today, they can actually improve your function to the extent that you may, you, or not you may, you will actually start to feel better and feel more alive. We see that yep. all the time. But this guy who was 40 today had advanced phase three degeneration in his spine. In one area of his spine, the rest of his spine was perfect. Wow. And so the thing that that tells me... Can, you, can I be curious and ask you what area? Well, interestingly, it was actually in his mid-thoracic spine. And what had actually happened is uh, when he'd been doing some dancing and doing some, um, 
he's a he's, he's a dance, he's done you know, traditional dancing. When he's done all that and he's had to do some exercises, he's actually landed on his back and hyperextended his spine, and it's resulted in a fracture of his spine at some point, which was never diagnosed. And uh, and then of course that's then gone into degenerative process because the body's had to try and stabilise it. So he blew a disc, broke his back didn't result in a neurological deficit so he never became a paraplegic but it was serious enough to actually have done some serious damage to his bones and now some 20 something years on from when he did that injury he's now got chronic um, massive amounts of arthritic change in that particular area but the rest of his body looked absolutely amazing so the point being is that it's not an age-related thing because if it was age-related, it would be in every single joint. We're talking Thank about you. a function-related thing. We're talking about a decline in function or a decrease in function, a decrease in the body's ability to restore normal movement or normal function, normal nerve flow to an area that's now resulting in degenerative change. Okay, so using that example where it's isolated, like mm-hmm. I'm looking at fingers. I know people with arthritis often talk about their thumbs or right? yeah. twisting jars and all the rest of it or it's the knees or the hips or wherever it is. It's, it's often isolated. Yep. You talked about the stresses, like you just gave some examples before, say coffee, alcohol, fried food, gluten. Essentially what you're saying is that every, you know, every possible stressor affects everyone differently. Yeah. You know, based on our gene profile and the rest of it. Yes. But for someone that's at phase two or phase three, and like you say, it might not look any different, but if you remove the stressor away, yep. then things will improve from a feeling perspective at the very least. Yes. People will feel better. Yeah. Do you find, this is my biggest um, challenge with this, is that a lot of people by the time they're diagnosed have habits that they find incredibly difficult to change. Yeah, that's so, true. I often think of, say, baby boomers in our business who come in, who have had, who have shared a bottle of wine with their husband or wife every night. Let's say two glasses of wine yeah. every night, and you inform them that that wine may be highly inflammatory and not helping them improve their arthritis one bit. They yeah. want to help their arthritis, but yeah. they don't want to give up their alcohol. Mm. And, and and for a lot of people that aren't necessarily educated per se or, or believe that per se, they, they can't quite see the link between their alcohol consumption and their arthritis or their six coffees a day or their three coffees a day and their arthritis because there's that ingrained belief that it is wear and tear yeah, and that it's outside of their control, you know. So a lot of people actually believe that these things are going to happen because their mum and dad have had it, or you know. So there's that that loss of ownership over their health. So how do we I, then? I didn't, I didn't mean to sound condescending or you know dismissive at all, but people do feel like they're disempowered about their health. They feel out of control, like they can't grasp it, they can't pull it back. Yeah, and that's you know, let's that's really all about fear, though, isn't it? That's because to to think that I find that to quit, let's just say the alcohol example, to quit alcohol for twelve weeks, yep. to really see whether alcohol is something that has an impact on your arthritis, even though it wouldn't take twelve weeks to notice. Um, for well, might would say something like gout, it could take that long. It could take that long. Yeah, for could. something that might be around in your life for another forty or fifty years, if you were forty or fifty, yeah, and there's every chance you're going to get to ninety or hundred, yes. to take three months of cutting something out of your lifestyle to see whether it's going to improve the quality of your life for the next 40 or 50 years. It's not a bad sacrifice. In numbers, it's not a bad sacrifice. But in, in life, a lot of people find it to be too big a uh, challenge or task to do it. True. Look, I, had a, I met a lady today. Um, she had a balance issue, 70-odd years old. Did a few little things and got some massive improvements straight away, mind you, which is very, very exciting. But what was interesting 
was that when I questioned her about how much alcohol she drinks, she drinks every day. And that's one of the things that's going to disrupt brain function. So I'm just saying that it's a habit thing. At 70-something years old, she was able to say, you know what, I'll just give it up. I've been doing this every day for 40-something years, 50 years, and I'll just give it up because I want to get better. So a lot of the people listening to this will just go, you know what, you're right. It's not something I need to have every single day. Just hearing Marcus and Damien talking about this sort of stuff, I'm going to make a change. I'm actually going to give up this alcohol. I'm going to stop the coffee. So I'm going to, you know, change my diet around and, and fix things up. Well, I'm constantly, I'm constantly surprised, Damo, how many Wellness Couch listeners send emails or Facebook messages saying, "I listen to this podcast and I've quit smoking." Yeah. Like one guy listening to Inside the Champion's Mind, um, him and a colleague are changing one thing a month based on LT's advice, wow. and they both quit smoking together, just like that. I love that. You know that. what I mean? I and love that's the that. thing. That's it, just great. It it can be done, but uh, I suppose my big thing is that you just have to remember that you probably will be in the minority. Yeah, that's <laughs> but true. But you just got to stick fat and stay close to yeah the wellness couch and people that are going to, to empower you. Okay, we've spoken osteoarthritis. Um, do you want to get into RA, as a lot of people call it? Yeah, I do. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis. I think it's 400,000 Aussies rheumatoid, uh, diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, so it's not a small number. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's a lot. Rheumatoid arthritis is becoming more and more common, but it's interesting because a lot of the people that have rheumatoid arthritis also have a thyroid disease and uh, and we're finding more and more people uh, presenting with both a thyroid problem and rheumatoid arthritis and what's interesting about that is that they're both autoimmune diseases and both of them appear to be tr- uh, triggered by hypersensitivity of the immune system to something that they've eaten or something that's in their environment. Now the fascinating thing is here is that every single human being on the planet, because we all have a zonulin gene, we all have a response to gluten that is a significant negative effect on the body. So diabetics, in particular type 1 diabetics, if they have any gluten, it blows their blood sugar right out like there's no tomorrow because their body has a massive response to it. And then the same thing for people with thyroid disease and the same thing for people with rheumatoid arthritis. When they have some gluten coming into their diet, it's hugely challenging to their body. So we're now finding out that gluten, even if you don't have celiac disease, is linked to many of these autoimmune diseases because of the gene zonulin. And so we need to be mindful that um, as we understand more and more about these different proteins that are inside our foods, uh, in particular gluten, then uh, we'll understand more and more about the reason why people start to get or continue to get these sorts of diseases. Now, you find gluten in wheat and barley and oats and rye and spelt. Essentially, they're the, they're the five grains that contain gluten. And so you need to, if you've got rheumatoid arthritis and even if you've got osteoarthritis consider how much of this particular uh, food you're eating uh, on a daily basis and then see whether or not you can actually decrease it because that's actually going to help you out but the rheumatoid arthritis is a very very acute inflammatory condition that usually in many cases people end up having to take some kind of pharmaceutical intervention to kind of calm that down but to move past that for the rest of their lives mate. the rest of their life mate yeah this is right so but that doesn't have to be the way that it is because i've helped people over the years get off their medication through really great diet change appropriate supplementation and lifestyle change so um and it is those three things that are that are required so you, you definitely need to take into consideration Uh, significant measures to alteration of your lifestyle if you want to get through rheumatoid arthritis. Well, just on the zonulin thing, I mean, I am not, uh, I have not been diagnosed with celiacs, but since I've learnt, you know, a lot about gluten, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that if I have a beer or if I have a piece of bread, that I I notice change in my tummy. You do? Like, 
and you know, since learning from you about the whole everyone has his onion gene, I think everyone, no, there'd be no one on planet Earth that couldn't admit that they uh, don't notice change um, in their tummy when they have something with gluten in it. Well, you know what? People will actually say that uh, they've given the gluten thing a, a, a go. They've given it a try. What it, when you when you question them, often people say, "Oh yeah, I gave it. I gave it up for a few days." Or I took most of it out. I just had one piece of bread a day, and uh, and the problem with that is is that you've just got to trigger it. It's like turning a light switch on with a timer, and you know when you set a timer on those light switches, it's always going to be three minutes from when you push that button in, right? Yeah. Um, well, this button actually lasts for up to 24 hours. So you're pushing this button in just by having a slice of bread. It's not how much bread you have. It's just that you push that button in. And now you've got to wait for that now to turn off. Now, if you're doing bread every single day, your button's always on. And so you're always going to have that response going inside the body. So it's a 24-hour button. doesn't mean that you can just give it up for 24 hours and see a change. It's going to take time, time. for your body to fix up and just to get under control and to decrease yeah. the inflammation. Yep. All right, you mentioned earlier the five grains. Let's repeat them again. We've got wheat, barley, rye, oat, and spelt. Yes. But what for you um, are the alternatives? Because people go, oh, my gosh, well, that's 60%, 70% of my diet. Um, <laughs> what do it. you replace it with? I have a lot of quinoa. I eat quinoa a lot, actually, and we have brown Me rice too. quite a lot. I love brown rice. I love quinoa. Yeah. Um, and there is, look, there's movements around that people are you know, scared to eat grain, but, you know... Really, you don't need to be scared to eat grain. Cultures have grown up on it. Cultures have lived on grains for their whole life. And for millennia have been eating grains. And so that you don't need to be too scared of it. But I have amaranth and I have uh, millet. That's I another grain. I battle to cook amaranth. Yeah. I muck it up too. I do. We Look, to be honest with you, the amaranth that we have is actually just the puffed amaranth that's in my breakfast cereal, MP. So Orange, that's orange cereal. I didn't want to. I didn't want to go to a. Do I do a you know unpaid plug there? But, uh, Don't worry, Dave. You know, I'll let you, mate. Thank you. But you know, so I have amaranth and that. But so it's quinoa and hey, amaranth um, and buckwheat. Buckwheat's another great one. Do you do that? Yeah, well, and the other thing is, um, I don't have a lot of bread, but if I do, it's from my beautiful wife who's up to uh, making her gluten-free bread in the thermo. Gee, um, got to love a thermomix. Got to love a thermomix. So yep. there are alternatives. Don't get caught into the whole gluten-free, um, what I call marketing spin, where they can fill it with oh. all kinds of numbers and all kinds of thingy bobs. Some of them are shocking. Oh, absolutely shocking. So I don't think you're doing yourself a favour just because it says gluten-free on the label. It's filled with all other kinds of things. You've got to be somewhat vigilant. All right, right. so we've done RA, we've done yes. osteoarthritis. Yes. Um, what do you want to cover next? Were you gout. Going to mention what the third gout? One? I think gout's yeah. really important. I, yeah, I was going to talk about a third one, but I kind of I put everything, I put all the rheumatoid, all, all the um, autoimmune diseases into the rheumatoid bundle. So, you know, for all, it, just keep in mind that it's triggered by something. It's generally going to be something to do with your lifestyle, your diet. So if you're stressed out or if you're eating lots of bread um, or lots of glutinous grain, it's highly likely to be something like that that's going to drive it. But... You know, just don't take my word for it. There's plenty of people out there that actually, you know, know this stuff as well, and uh, and, and go see some of these professionals because they know their stuff. The other thing is that not only we have to make some change, but because it's a, a very chronic inflammatory process inside the body, you'll need intervention. So you, you're going to have to have fish oil. You're going to need to do some kind of anti-inflammatory. Um, in which case, I'd be using herbs to, to achieve that. 
and um, and of course change your change your diet and your lifestyle. That does need help. I was going to go into gout, MP. I was going to talk about gout because this is something that affects more men than guys. Oh, than girls. <laughs> more men than guys. Have that one. More men than girls. Uh, girls don't tend to get gout often. When a girl gets gout, she's been doing the wrong thing for a long time. It's harder for girls to get gout. Now guys tend to get it. Um, it's associated with a lot of alcohol intake, in particular beer. Um, red wine can also flare up gout. Chocolate can flare up gout. Um, really? Yeah, tinned foods, things that are rich in salicylate um, and, and and oxalates can actually uh, flare it up. So, okay, so what foods are high in salicylates and oxalates? Yeah, salicylate-rich foods are those that uh, are tinned foods. So, you know, for example, tinned sardines, tinned tuna, tinned salmon tinned vegetables that can muck things up we're talking about foods with tomato for example that's a that could be a real river uh, capsicum chili <laughs> uh, is it something to do with lycopene or the red ah nice well no we'll see lycopene is a chemical that doesn't have any color that's a that's a, a chemical that's really really good for the prostate gland you find that in in cooked tomato skin but the salicylate is a is another um, compound that's found inside um, many foods and so zucchini and eggplant as well as tomatoes are all part of that group I know but, you've mentioned goji berries as well goji berries have the most amount of salicylates of any food on the planet so there's there's nothing else on the planet with more salicylates in it than goji berries but and this is just a good example of when people go well this is a superfood for the whole entire world not yeah. everything is for everyone yeah, and look, somebody asked me about paleo the other day. You know, the, a, a Scottish girl came in, she feels the worst she's ever felt because she's on paleo. And I said to her, well, look, it's not that paleo is bad, it's just that you're Scottish. And, uh, and she looked at me and I said, oh, no, I didn't mean to sound like that. And I said, what it is is that, you know, you're probably having foods that down your gene line and your bloodline you've never ever been exposed to before. I said, when in your ancestry do you think you've ever come into contact with coconuts? And she's yeah, going, wow. oh, yeah, good point. And I said, when in your ancestry did you ever eat this much um, red meat, especially when you've got A-type blood? And she goes, yeah, yeah, wow. never. And I said, well, in terms of grains, Scottish people, for as long as I know, have been eating oats. And, uh, and oats actually form quite a significant portion of a Scots you know, diet. And yeah. I, said, I said to her, I said, your body's more adapted to eating a Scottish-type diet than a paleo diet, which comes from you know some pacific island where they grow lots of coconuts it is scary how much sense that makes Damo yeah. it is frightening how much sense that makes and how simple that is as well simple huh so okay, can, I, do, can I can digress for a, for a quick moment then always if I love coconut yes but I don't <laughs> but I don't know where it falls into my Scottish uh, heritage and my Lebanese heritage oh Lebanon <laughs> well interestingly because coconuts come from India right now, so that's where the original coconuts came from, from India. They then got passed on through to the different islands over, you know, through trade winds and, you know, yeah. tr- trading and all that sort of thing. So, really, it's those people of Indian and Islander background that have had the most experience with coconut. Now, there are some health benefits to coconut. It's just that if you mount a response, and generally it's going to be an A-type blood person who's going to mount responses. Now, I'm getting a little bit into contention here because there'll be people going, what's blood type got to do with all this? And uh, and if you don't know, then you need to listen to the Wellness Guys episode where we interview Peter Diadamo because he nails it. Um, he's the guy who found it. And, uh, but essentially... The A-type blood person tends to be more sensitive. So the foods that the A-type blood person eats more consistently, and they do it all the time, they're the ones that they're going to have some kind of a significant negative response to as opposed to a significant positive response to to the shift and the change and alteration of their diet all the time. Okay. 
I know I've digressed. I know we're running out of time. Uh, gout. Gout's an interesting one because gout's a, uh, a situation where you get these uric acid crystals um, building up in joints. And it's kind of like sticking some cut up pieces of razor blades in your joints and walking on it. And, uh, it, it, you know, hopefully that draws a pretty good picture for you because these crystals are sharp. Under a microscope, you can see them. They get into the joint space and they create a massive amount of inflammation and a lot of degeneration as well. So a gouty arthritis is very degenerative, very, very um, painful, and, uh, and it's associated with a number of different things. One of the things that it's associated with is poor methylation. So the inability of the person to methylate and to clear stuff out of their system. So they're not Oh, you clear. have to describe methylation. Yeah, I'm going, going there, moving there. Okay. So methylation is a process, it's a phase two detoxification process of the liver. And it's very, very sensitive to B12 and folic acid. So those nutrients are, are particularly essential in the management of gout. Now, interestingly, we're finding more and more people who can't metabolize folic acid. So you know, they keep on telling us, especially the girls. Yeah, have, pregnant women, folic acid, folic acid, folic acid. Before folic acid. you're pregnant, because you've only got 20, it's 21 days from the day of conception that the spine forms. So the spine and the nervous system forms within the first 21 days. Most people don't find out they're pregnant until about the third or the fourth mm-hmm. week after they've missed their period. So we're talking like sometimes up to six weeks after they've fallen pregnant. Then it's too late to take folic acid then. The damage is done. You've actually got to have your folic acid already. But what we do find is that there's many people out there that don't bode well with folic acid. Not that they don't they get sick from it. They just don't metabolize it well. So there's other things like folinic acid that people need to take. And so they need people need professional advice with this sort of thing. So you can rock up to the pharmacy or the health food store or your naturopath and pick up some folic acid and off you go and get into it. But it may not be doing everything you need because you may need folinic acid because of the way in which you convert it. But the reason why I went down this angle is because the liver uses folinic acid and folic acid to methylate stuff and it takes it out of the body. So I always give people with gout lots of folic acid, always. The other thing that I give people with gout is um, is beetroot juice. I get them to do a beetroot juice and uh, and that's that's really, really important because you want to have beetroot juice to help pull out a lot of the, uh, the crystals from the bones. And so I do beetroot juice with some ginger, a little bit of carrot and some celery and even if you want to sweeten up a little bit, put a bit of apple with it, and I do that, and uh, and people actually feel amazing. So that's gout, good. gout's a biggie. Gout's a biggie. Fibromyalgia. I've, I noticed that many people talk about that. That's more of a muscle dysfunction. So people talk about that a bit. Damo, do you reckon we should do more on this? I reckon we could. Can I just cover off two more things because people hear about these all the time? There's Ross River. Yep. Ross River. That's caused from a bug. It's almost like a like a lime sort of bug, and uh, and that causes um, a, a excruciating pain. A lot of people go through a lot, a lot of pain with that, and that presents as an arthritis, and because it is an arthritis, arthritis meaning inflammation of the joint it presents like that, but it's a short-lived thing because it's an infection. So eventually that sorts itself out, right? Which is which is a good thing, and then lupus is another autoimmune disease uh, which also affects the joints. But we could keep on going on. There's hundreds of these things, and, and 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 essentially at the end of the day, what you've got to do is you've got to change your lifestyle. You've got to change your lifestyle. You've got to keep your food clean. You've got to get rid of the alcohol, and you need to probably consider some degree of supplementation. And I think yeah, and and the other thing that we've said is we have to remove the belief that arthritis, in all of its many forms, is an age-related disease. It can happen to people at any time, at any age. It takes a while to build up, but it has to be uh, remembered that it does all stem from our lifestyle. Damo, that's it for this edition of 100 Not Out. Thanks, MP. 
Remember, folks, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can provide it in any number of ways, but the best is to go to our website at www.thewellnesscouch.com slash 100notout. Also, if you've liked this episode, then please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and also check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available, including the number one show, The Wellness Guys. But until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Damien Christoph from The Wellness Guys here. The biggest wellness event in Australia is fast approaching and we want to see you there. The Wellness Summit's coming up and it's on Saturday, August the 17th at Crown Melbourne featuring guest speakers David Gillespie, author of Sweet Poison and Big Fat Lies. Also, holistic dentist Dr. Ron Ehrlich from The Good Doctors and my Wellness Guys teammates, of course. The Up For A Chat Girls and many more. Tickets are just $147 for this 10-hour event. So go to www.thewellnesssummit.com to book and for for more information, see you there. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.